Take your Bibles. I'm going to finish the series with you. Whatever happened to the church? I want you to take your Bible and go to 1 Timothy. We're going to pass the buckets. The offering's going to go by at the same time. We're going to do a lot in this service today because we are installing elders. We are. Does anybody know that we're installing elders today? Is that a new thing for somebody to find out just now? And so there's some other pastor elders that are going to be joining me, shepherding Harvest Reading, and we're excited about that. But before we do that, we're going to get into God's Word and finish this series that I titled back at the beginning of September, Whatever Happened to the Church? Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, Jesus says that he would build the church and the gates of what? Wouldn't prevail against it. The gates of hell itself. It's a very important text of scripture. We have to understand that Jesus is building his church. Of course, what he's talking about there is the spiritual church. Historically, when somebody accepts Jesus Christ as their savior, they become part of the universal church. The universal church is the church down through history. All those who submit their life to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, they become part of the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones, called out from darkness into his marvelous light, into the kingdom of his dear son. And so that's the church. The church is around the world and throughout history. And so that's what Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. However, when it comes to the local church, and this is where our focus has been for five weeks now, the local church, the lo local expression of the church, 3,500 churches will close their doors. There are churches that are dying. Uh, there'll be about 11 or 12 today that'll close their doors in this country, and then there'll be 11 or 12 tomorrow they're gonna close their doors. And Whatever happened to the church? Whatever happened to the manifest presence of the Lord? Whatever happened to the Christian who is sold out and they are willing to do whatever it takes to follow Jesus Christ, whatever happened to the church. That's the name of our series. Now let me do a quick review for those who might not have been here or maybe missed some of the Sundays. The first Sunday, we looked at the corporate invasion of the church. You'll see these on the screen. I just want you to see them with your eyes again. We need review. Corporate invasion of the church. We have lost the organic simplicity of the church. We've lost the, the emphasis on disciple-making on, on really getting up and close to people and helping them to walk with Jesus. And we become like a big business. That's the corporate invasion of the church. Number two, the second message was the critic's infection on the church. Listen, 1,500 churches, 1,500 pastors every year will leave ministry. 3,500 churches close their doors. 1,500 pastors leave. Do you know why they leave the ministry? Criticism. There's a critic everywhere. You ever had a critic that was after you? unjust criticism. Pastors are leaving ministry by the droves, and studies show that it's because of a critical spirit that enters into the church. It's like an infection on the body of Christ. I think it was Ben or uh, Don that handled that. Where's Don? Did he make it back yet? There he is. He had to take off. So he handled the critic's infection on the church, and then Ben handled the word of God when I was not here, and we titled that message, The Compromise Infiltrating the Church, and that is when we grieve the spirit of the Lord. It's like I do, I do something I shouldn't do, and the Spirit's saying, don't do that, don't do that, and I still do it. That's grieving the Spirit of God, and compromise comes into my life, and it comes into the church. It infiltrates the church, and it's happening all across evangelical Christianity. Then I handled last Lord's Day the consumer impact against the church. This is where people are more watchers than workers. This is where, where people are just kind of sitting back and watching everything happen, but they don't want to plug in. They don't want to be contributors they want to be a consumer. That's the consumer impact against the church. Now, here's the final message, and I'm going to do this rather rapidly. It's going to be a short message. 
And if I get past 15 minutes, I want you guys to just stand up and leave. That'll be my signal that I've... <laughs> I've had people do that before in history of church preaching. I guess two hours and 15 minutes is too long for a message, right? <laughs> so let's talk about the collapse inside the church, the collapse. There's an implosion happening. You'll see on the screen behind me, here's a quote by John Maxwell, who's a pastor for many years, leadership expert. He said, everything rises or falls on leadership. Everything, everything, everything. You want to know why Chick-fil-A is doing so well? Leadership. It's, it's not the chicken, although that's very good. And it's not the waffle fries, although those are very good. Like manna from heaven, right? It's because of leadership. Everything rises. You want to know why families are falling apart left and right? What's the answer to that one? It's leadership. It's dads not leading. It's moms not leading. It's both of them not unified together and leading in a Christ-like way. Everything rises and falls on leadership. The family, a business, how about a country? For sure, you see leadership crises all over the place, all over this world. How about a city? How about Reading? How about we talk about Reading a little bit? This might even last 15 minutes. I'll never get to the outline because I get fired up about this because there's a leadership vacuum that happened in our city about the late 1800s into the 1900s, early 1900s. Socialism became really important. That's not good. And so what happened was that the, there, was, there was corruption in, in the church and the church lost its, its witness and so when you drive through Reading, you see all these stone buildings that are basically empty and dead, and some have turned into other kinds of facilities. They were once thriving in the city of Reading. The gospel's being preached, people are being saved, and then something happened, and there was a leadership vacuum. And when the leaders became corrupt, from the politicians to the police officers, that opened the door for the mob to come in for like 40 years. And so Reading thought they would never recover. And I often wonder, has Reading really recovered from that? It's a leadership issue. It is always a leadership issue. Now let's talk about the church because in the church is where we focus on today. A strong, humble, godly, gifted, elder, pastor leadership is crucial to the church. Crucial to the church. You see this in ministries. How many people are familiar with the PTL? Remember the PTL Praise the Lord Network? Anybody familiar with that? Nobody watched Jim Baker and Tammy Baker? Can we show a picture of this? This is a very sad, this is Heritage USA. You'll see the, that's the entrance to their theme park. Uh, this is a multi-million dollar ministry. Now, when Heritage and PTL was at its peak, I was at Liberty University. I was a freshman. Uh, of course, if you go to the next picture, uh, Jim and Tammy Baker, they fell. He fell uh, so bad. Uh, and that's just one of the buildings. It's overgrown and it's just, it's not what it once was. And uh, when I was down at Liberty, Jerry Falwell tried to get involved in all of that to try to bring, out, bring some righteousness to it and some correction, and Jim Baker just pushed, and they pushed against Jerry, and Jerry pulled right out of that. And that was, all, that was going on in chapel services. I was getting the up-to-date on the PTL. It was a scandal of massive proportions. What was the massive proportion? What was the scandal? It was Jim Baker and his team uh, that went sideways spiritually. It's always a leadership. PTL would still be here there wasn't a leadership crisis. It collapsed. There was a collapse. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 16, if you take your eyes there, just one verse today. I want to read this out loud. How about we read that out loud together? Would you look at your Bible if you're in the ESV? I'm going to start right now and we'll read it out loud. Ready? Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching 
persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers, 1 Timothy 4.16. I just want to look at five ways that we can avoid a leadership collapse. Obviously, this is directed towards myself first, and then it's directed towards the four guys who are going to be installed as elders, but leadership influences with everybody. If you want to define leadership, it's just influencing another person, and everybody here influences at least one other person. So really, this is for all of us. You want to avoid a collapse in your life? Here's what you do. Number one, write it in the blank there. Be serious. You'll notice that Paul gives us this word keep, keep or guard. He's really talking about uh, preserving. You've got to preserve something. It's a very emphatic word. It's really a word to describe that Timothy, the young protege of the apostle Paul, who might have been in his mid-30s, very young, trying to do something very incredible in the city of Ephesus that was a city that was given over to idols. And so he wants Timothy to be serious. What's he want him to be serious about? We're going to look at that. But here's number one. Be serious. Are you a serious person? I think we all need to be serious about some things. How about, how about a sense of humor? Does, does anybody think it's okay to laugh in church, right? Does anybody think they have a sense of humor, right? Do you have a sense of humor? Are you funny? You know, there's nothing wrong with laughing and having the joy of the Lord. That's important. But there are some things that you need to be really serious. So some, some people think that I, you know, I'm just a clown you know, and, and all of that, and I just am too casual, and, you know, there's another side of me that you got to know, that I'm, I'm super serious about the gospel. I'm super serious about the church being what it should be, because Jesus is coming back for his church, so I take these things as a leader very serious. Paul says you got to keep, listen, you do that with your kiddos, right? You want to make sure that you're seriously taking care of your kids. I don't know of any mother personally, when you get into the car to go to the grocery store or to the mall, that your three-year-old is in the back seat, not in a car seat, you know, not in a seat belt. You're just like, hey, can you just hang out back there? We're going to be at the mall soon. I don't know of any mother that wouldn't say, you know what? I need to put them in a car seat. I need to make sure that they are kept, that they're kept. Here's the emphasis here, that Paul's going to lay out some things for leaders and for all of us as Christians that you really need to look at so that your life will be preserved. You would want your child to be preserved safe till you got to the mall or to the grocery store, right? I never get it when, when you hear a story and the kid was left on the roof. You ever heard stories like that? Like in a car seat. I'm thinking to myself, how can that happen? We need to keep. We need to take serious. I promise you that if my wife and I were to babysit your kids, you would want us to take care of them, right? Would you want us to like, hey, you know, pull up to Boscov's? Hey, can you go in there and get me something? You know, let your kid wander around, pick me something up at Boscov's or anything? No. That wouldn't be seriously taken care of. Well, what's Paul trying to say here? Listen, you got to take very seriously these things. Number two, be self-aware. What's he say there? Keep a close watch. Notice it with your own eyes, please. Just don't listen. If you have your Bible, look at it. It's very important you see it in the text. All right, we're going to take serious, but you need, to, you need to be self-aware. You need to keep a close watch. Pastors and elders, or any leader for that matter, needs to know themselves well. They need to be self-aware. They need to know their insecurities. They need to know their blind spots. They need to know the patterns that the enemy attacks them. You need to know how habitual sin is getting into your life. You need to know how the enemy comes in and he tries to trip you up with a stronghold. You need to be self-aware. You need to be serious about your Christian life. And then you need to be self-aware. You know how many people are not self-aware? There's blind spots. There's insecurities. 
you know, you approach them to give them some counsel and, and they're just not seeing themselves. A leader needs to see themselves, needs to know how the enemy attacks, what the enemy's up to in, the, in our life. Keep a close watch. Notice it. Keep a close watch. Let me show you a picture here. I want you to find a wolf. There's a wolf in this picture. Bring that up. Do you see him? Take a look. A close watch. Anybody see him? How many see him? Raise your hand. People are like, I don't, I don't see what you're talking about. There, there is a wolf in that picture. He's hiding behind a tree. You can see his face. Is anybody else seeing him now? Are you closely watching? It helps if you open your eyes. Don't, don't take a nap now. It's not the time not to take a nap. Open your eyes. Take a look at the picture. Some people are dozing off. You'll see a wolf there. Keep a close watch. Keep a close, close, close watch. All right, how many fingers on my left hand? How many? No, actually, this is my right hand. Here's two. <laughs> Keep a close watch. Self-aware. Timothy was a man, a young man. I love Timothy. I can't wait to get to heaven. I want to talk to Paul, but I also want to talk to Timothy because I felt that way through the years of just as a Christian and as a Christian leader. That, you know what? God, I looked in the mirror years ago and I said, God, I don't really know, I don't know myself very well. Uh, and my, my wife at that time was my girlfriend. She was speaking in my life, and I'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about, you know? And she was right. She could see things about me that I couldn't see about myself. Listen, leaders, people, Christians, you got to see, see the junk. Man, we did that, that baggage claim. There was a reaction to that, like nobody's business. I know, in my journals, if you read my journals, you'll see the out, the kind of the, the under, what am I looking for here? What's the word? How it unfolded. Those, those few months there. And it was all tied back to this baggage claim series that I did. Never would have thought that it would have stirred so many people up. And people were resistant to that, and some of them got agitated at me because they didn't want to see themselves and their, their junk and their, their baggage. Self-aware. Here's number three. Be selective. Be selective. That little phrase there, on yourself, you see it there? Be Keep a close watch on yourself. This is so important. This is priority. Whose who's priority? What is Paul saying to Timothy? Who is the first priority in Timothy's life when it comes to his spiritual health and growth? Who is it? Who is it? It's himself. It's himself. This isn't narcissism. This isn't him thinking pridefully, you know, I'm just better than everybody else. No, Paul's saying, listen, you've got to take care of yourself spiritually. You're not going to be able to take care of anybody in the city of Ephesus. Who's the most important dad? Who's the most important in your family when it comes to spiritual growth and health? Who is it? It's you. It's you. It's not your wife. It's you. It's not your son. It's you. How about you, mom? Who's the most important? Is it your daughter? It's not your daughter. It's you. If you go sideways, if something happens to you spiritually, what's going to happen to your child? They're going to go right with you. That's what's going to happen. It's so tragic. I've seen that so many times through the years. So tragic. Let me show you a picture here. This happens when you go on an airplane. The flight attendant, is that what you call them? Yeah. Flight attendant. I got to be politically correct, right? I'm trying. So this happens. They get up there, a flight attendant, and they explain the emergency procedures, and they talk about the oxygen mask. And who do they say that the oxygen mask should go on first? Who is it? Why? Okay, so your kids are there, and you're like, 
you're not going to be any good. This is the way that some of us are as leaders and as parents. We're just like this, sleeping. And our kids are like looking at us going, wake up, dad. And, and, and your kids are asking you, mom, wake up, mom, spiritually. Because you didn't take the oxygen mask and put it over your mouth first and breathe in the, the wonderful things that God has for you. Be selective. Be selective. Here's number four. What is it? Be scriptural. Paul mentions this on the teaching. Be, he says you've got to keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. We've got to be about the Bible. Isn't it important that a pastor is all about the Bible? <laughs> You're saying, why do you say that? Well, because pastors aren't about the Bible as much as they used to be. And they'll do these little talks, and they'll be about psychology, and they'll be about the news and all the current events and things like that. Here at Harvest, that's why I say to you, look at the text. Look into the Word of God. We got to see what the Scripture has to say. It is all about the Bible. It is on the teaching. We believe the Bible. In fact, every Christian owns like 3.6, if you look it up, 3.6 Bibles. I don't know what that six means, but at least three Bibles in your house. How often are Christians reading them? Not often. Not often. So the other night, uh, I just, this is for those who raised their hands earlier when I said about the darkness coming in like a flood. I'm, I'm laying there in bed and Lisa's sleeping and all of a sudden demonic activity started happening. And I started taking the word of God and I was just declaring it. I was just like, I'm declaring the word of God. Scripture verses and promises. And, and all of a sudden the enemy left. Gotta be about this book. We gotta be scriptural. I'm so thankful that the four elders that are being installed today are about, all about the Bible. Here's number five, and finally, be stubborn. You're saying, I am naturally a stubborn person. This is going to be rather easy for me. <laughs> Notice the word persist right there, persist in the text. This means to continue long in. It means to remain. Paul's saying, listen, be stubborn in the sense of you're not going to move, man. You are not going to move from your walk with Christ. You're going to persist in all of the things that are going to come against you. You're going to persist through the dark night of the soul, the deep waters, the, the valley of the shadow of death, all of that. You're going to keep persevering. You're going to keep on keeping on. That's where he's going with that. Be stubborn. Now, be stubborn is not, a, not an, you know, an ugly thing. I'm not talking about that kind of stubbornness. Because the Bible does say stubbornness. Does it say something about stubbornness in the Old Testament? Um, or is that rebellion? Rebellion is the sin as is as the sin of witchcraft. Well, stubbornness could fall into that category as well. Here's the end of the verse, and then we'll conclude. Paul says that if you do this by so doing, look at it, you will save both yourself and your hearers. In other words, if you're taking care of yourself, if you're going down through this list and you're making sure that you're doing well spiritually, you're going to save yourself. In other words, deliverance comes to you, Timothy. Whatever you're going to face in life, if you're doing these things, it's going to come to you. There's going to be deliverance, and there's also going to be deliverance, and there's going to be salvation in the people that you influence or you lead. But if you don't do these things, there'll be a collapse. I know this is a tough word, because I know uh, some of your guys' backgrounds and your families and your kids that aren't doing well spiritually and they're far from the Lord. So this is said in love. 
Hear the word of the Lord through the apostle Paul to Timothy. This is how you do it. Here's what you do today. Here's how you avoid it in the future. Be serious about your Christian growth, deep spiritual growth. Be self-aware. Be honest about your blind spots. If I were to say to you, listen, where did it go wrong with your family? And you were to say, I don't know. I just have the worst kids in the world. I would say to you, well, no, you probably need to look at yourself. What happened to your leadership, your love for them? Your, did you have so much baggage that you never unpacked it? I mean, this is hard. It's hard. I know it's hard. But this is what leads to growth. Be self-aware. Number three, be selective. It's about you first. Make sure you're doing well spiritually. And then fourth, be scriptural. It's all about the Bible. And then be stubborn. Persist. Don't give up. Keep on keeping on. Don't be discouraged. God is with you. God has given you the strength to do it.